This week, we welcome Mark Rawls. He's the president and chief operating officer at Acunetics, discussing the evolution of enterprise web apps and its impact on web security. In our second segment, we welcome Brian Kelly, head of Conjure Engineering for CyberArk, for a technical segment on secretless and the end of application secrets as we know them. In our final segment, we're going to air a pre-recorded interview with Steve Wiley. He's the general manager at Black Hat, discussing an overview of Black Hat USA 2020 for the first time being an all-virtual event. Stay tuned for all that and more on this episode of Enterprise Security Weekly. This is Security Weekly, for security professionals, by security professionals. Broadcasting live from G-Unit Studios in Rhode Island, it's the show where we talk security vendors and aren't afraid to name names. It's Enterprise Security Weekly. Today, every business is a digital business. Most of us are migrating workloads to the cloud, adopting DevOps tools, rolling out RPA software, and supporting a remote workforce. While opportunity is great, so is the risk of advanced cyber attacks. Many high-profile breaches start with a compromise of privileged credentials. CyberArk is the number one leader in privileged access management. Talk to CyberArk today to secure privileged access for humans and machines across hybrid and cloud environments and on endpoints. Learn more at securityweekly.com forward slash CyberArk and stay one step ahead of the attackers. Detecting and responding to threats in the cloud is harder than doing it on-prem. Even when you do have the visibility you need, legacy security workflows weren't designed for the speed and complexity of cloud environments. Cloud-native security solutions from ExtraHop are purpose-built to spot threats across the hybrid attack surface, provide detailed investigation steps, and help you automate response. Request your 30-day free trial at securityweekly.com forward slash ExtraHop. Welcome to episode 191 of Enterprise Security Weekly for July 22nd, 2020. I am your host, Paul Asadorian, joined by Mr. Matt Alderman. Matt, welcome. Good afternoon, Paul. Three interviews, which means we're going to have a long news segment next week. That's right. I was so bummed because I had all this new functionality in our software to do news articles, and I didn't get to use it this week. It's okay. I have some already flagged and ready to go. Also, I have my Captain Obvious moment that when you upload to S3 when you're in Amazon's cloud, it's really fast, like a lot faster to uploading outside of Amazon's cloud. I was like, wow, I'd never upload a video that fast before. Oh, yeah, Captain Obvious. Um, so a couple quick announcements. We're looking for high quality guest suggestions for all of our podcast to fill up our basically recording schedule uh, for the year and, and years to come. So uh, get your guest suggestions submitted, gets them into our database, securityweekly.com forward slash guests. And we have a formal process for constantly reviewing those uh, as well. And uh, I think it's worked pretty well to uh, get a lot of good guest suggestions and, and good guests on the show. So keep them coming, securityweekly.com forward slash guests. Mark Rawls is the president and chief operating officer at Acunetics, a world leader in web application vulnerability scanning. In his role, Mark leads several functions, including the company's marketing team. Uh, their landing page is securityweekly.com forward slash Acunetics. You can go there and get a lot more information. Mark, welcome to the program. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Happy to be here. Nice to have you on. I wanted to uh, start, well, Mark, let's start with just a little bit about your background uh, and yeah. how you uh, came to work for Acunetics. Oh, yeah, for sure. So I uh, actually joined, uh, I've got a, a long history in software. I spent a lot of time um, 
earlier in my career at a at a software company, a lot of our a lot of the audience probably is familiar with SolarWinds, mm. uh, who makes IT management software, and really kind of cut my teeth there in a number of functions, and then spent some time at Vista Equity Partners, which is a large private equity firm that invests in nothing but software companies, and uh, left left Vista with the idea of getting back on the on the operating side, uh, which I really I really love. You know where you're able to to really get in the trenches and and make a difference and move the needle, and looked at a bunch of you know talked to a lot of different companies around Austin, uh, Texas, where I'm from, mm-hmm. and really fell in love with just the overall story around you know acunetics and what we're doing with with web application security the difference we make for our customers the opportunity we have in the market uh, to really drive a more you know secure internet um, and so started here in october and it's been uh it's hard to believe it's been nine months already um in fact yesterday was my nine month anniversary um and you know you and i talked uh at rsa in february pretty pretty early uh early in my tenure and I'll the you know the whole world fell apart between then mm. and now but I'm glad to be back. Awesome. Yeah, I was going to say 9 months f- 4 to 5 of those months have been kind of a blur for everybody so <laughs> Oh ab- absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's um you know our whole organization went remote. So I I wore a lot of hats um at um at Acunetics and and one of those is also the HR hat and so you know all of the uh, you know, policies and procedures around remote work we put in place, um, how we've just been able to really respond and, and continue, you know, serving our customers and, and really just the team hasn't missed a beat. I've been, you know, just exceptionally proud of the work of the team, um, especially in, in with everything that's happened. But it's it's a, a team with a really strong kind of commitment, really strong work ethic and really strong focus on delivering great outcomes for our customers. And that's, you know, that's what we've continued to, to do, which is a lot of fun. And it's interesting, Mark, how, you know, we've mentioned kind of uh, briefly on several shows about how web applications have changed. I think mm-hmm. it's a good place to start because you've yep. got, I think, a lot. You tell that story better than I've kind of just like mentioned it. Like we used to have static web pages and then some CGI. And now we're right. like fast forward. Now we're doing all this like crazy stuff. Right. But you, you've got to you, you uh, express that in a, a much more uh, intelligent way that I've just kind of mentioned it right as a reminder okay. that web applications yeah. certainly have changed right yeah absolutely no it's it's yeah that's one of the things that i you know really enjoy and and you know as i went through the the interview process and really trying to understand you know what we you know what the opportunity is at acunetics and what the opportunity is in web app security you know i've really got a i you know i'm it's something of a compulsion i've really got to understand you know what the big picture is and um it's it's a you know, and so it actually, it's very interesting when we were at RSA before, prior to going on the air, I was, I was kind of peppering you and Matt with questions about, you know, here's what I think is going on and here's the big picture that I see. And do you guys see the same things? And what do you think? And you've been in this much longer than I have. Um, and it's really been fun um, to, to see, to, to really develop that deeper. And, and we've really started to tell that story much better internally within Acunetics to our employees. So they see the big picture. We've also been, you know, and then we're also now in, you know, my marketing hat on trying to do a much better job of telling that externally. And so I think it's, it's really interesting as you stand in here in 2020 and you think about, you know, what you're able to do through the browser and what you're able to do on the web app, um, on a web application today that you don't, to me, none of that is, you never kind of question the fact that virtually any application that you want, um, whether that's an enterprise application or a consumer application, 
you know, there is a web app. It's, it's, you just take that for granted, but that it's really, you know, easy to forget. It wasn't always that the case. And so if you just go back to 2005 and 2005 is a good year to pick because there's a lot of um, important things that happened that year. It also happens to be the year that Acunetics was founded. Um, but if you go back to 2005, there were 50 million websites total, you know, globally. Right. And you think, but even you go back a little further than that, right? Like web pages were static. And yes. mm-hmm. if I think about, we we'll talk about APIs in just a, a second, but APIs to me at that time were between local applications. Like I can remember oh. like rewriting some things for upgrades, like very early when I was still in college in my career and it was an API and they were really just to, for applications to talk locally on, on the system. It, well, it had nothing to do with web technology. That was new fancy stuff that we were just trying to figure out, you know, back then. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. My first, uh, one of my job offers out of, out of undergraduate, um, back in, in, 2001 was actually to go work at Accenture, um, which until quite recently had been, you know, Anderson Consulting, if anyone remembers yep, that that name. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, in a lot of that was going to be just flying from place to place and and doing, you know, custom integrations and custom custom yeah. development. Because in those days, again, you wanted PeopleSoft to talk to whatever your... Um, you know, kind of pick pick your other your other piece of software, your manufacturing system, whatever it is. You know, you were going to have a team that that custom built the PeopleSoft side, that custom built you know the other side of it. There were there were no out of the box integrations. There was no Zapier. There was no yeah. you know Force.com. Mm-hmm. Like none of none of that existed. There was um, some driver was, in C that I had to convert to a different processor architecture and like version of language or something like that. Right. Like that was integration. Yeah. You're converting DLLs. You're yeah. yeah, It's a total, a total nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. 2004 when we, when I started control path, my first startup, it was static web pages. I remember the the contractor we hired and you literally clicked the link to get to a page to fill out a form. Then I hired Sean Malloy in February of 2005 and the rest is history because we went full Ajax, JSON, you know, early on building oh, yeah. interactive web pages. So 2005 is a perfect timeline. It is because I kind of set the stage. And yeah. I think also that was the year too, that you saw a lot of uh, web application scanning companies such as Acunetics start coming sure. on the scene. I remember being at security conferences that year, kind of seeing those folks for the first time. And they were very much small startups at that time. And the ones that I visited, at least back then, uh, you know, like HP, HP bought one and IBM bought the other or something like that. Like they were swallowed up uh, immediately. That was the market yeah. at, at the time. And largely they were looking for cross-site scripting and SQL injection in web applications. And like, really, that's all they had to do back then to be really effective, that's right? right? <laughs> yeah. Web inspect yeah. app scan. Those mm-hmm. were the two way back in the day. That was it. That's all we had. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, the funny thing is you mentioned Ajax. You know, if we go further back than 2005, you can't say Ajax because... Right. Because no one, no one had said Ajax, and right. you know, one of the interesting things as I've, uh, as I've, you know, done more and learned more is, is so I, I had in another part of my career been in consulting in Chicago, um, at Boston Consulting Group, and some BCG Chicago employees had left to spin out and form this, you know, company called Kayak, and you know, Kayak.com actually made a big splash in 04 it it was one of the with big, what yeah. was Ajax, yep. but not called Ajax. Yep. Um, and that was, you know, people would go to the the Kayak website, and it's like it was amazing. You could was. you could update your dates, you know, and and the listings just update. And yeah. now, you know, of course they do. But it that, was like one of the first really popular like single page applications. Absolutely. Uh, and also, we used uh, Acunetics back in the day, too. Like when scanners started coming about, 
Um, I remember doing a lot of pen testing. We would use Acunetics pretty much uh, exclusively. So kind of a, a shout out. You know, now they're a sponsor That's on the right. show, but back then that was you know we oh, also yeah. used uh, Acunetics as well. Yeah, for sure. And and again, like you say, back then it was you know, kind of very straightforward vulnerabilities, you're scanning very straightforward applications. And so, and so what's happened, you know, 15 years seems like a long time. It seems like the blink of an eye, you know, kind of both together, but again, you go back and there's no, you know, there's no AWS right. you know, back then. Um, it came, you know, shortly thereafter, but there's no, you know, GCP, there's no Azure, you know, none of, none of that um, happened or came to be. And so you've seen, you know, those platforms come on the scene all, all you know, leading up to 2010. Again, you see, uh, you know, by 2011, you're talking 500 million websites as opposed to 50 mm -hmm. million. So you've yep. got a 10x already. Um, and then and then there is all this, you know, very, you know, I, I kind of, you know, came of age computing wise in the late 90s when it was all about, you know, Linux and, and people talking about, you know, Linux and Microsoft saying, why would you ever use Linux? Because, mm. you know, it's, it's, why would you ever use open source? Because, you know, who's going to, who do you sue? Um, and there's a separate question of, of you actually want software that works not to sue anyone, but um, that's not the way Microsoft saw it back in the day. Mm. Uh, but the cloud was somewhat the same way where people are saying, well, why would you expose your private data, you know, on the cloud? And then, or why would you, you know, outsource your mission critical application, you know, and then you fast forward to 2015 when Netflix announces after, you know, a multi-year process, you know, they're now fully on AWS, mm -hmm. right? Which is a, I mean, that's just a huge development and you, you don't, you know, you can't conceive of, of higher load and more demand than that. And if right. now, you know, the public cloud has taken that on and then, you know, Spotify moves to GCP a few years after that, you know, it's, it's, you kind well, of look at that another, and you're like, well, um, it, interesting yeah. stat, Mark, that uh, eighty three percent of web traffic was API based in twenty eighteen. That's right. That's amazing. I mean, right. talk that, about amazing. An, I mean, we took all the way from single page applications. That's really not a whole lot of time. I mean, in computing, I guess it is, but that's yeah. a staggering growth in it is staggering. The growth. number so we're from dynamic, zero, right? Yeah, zero yeah. to. 83% by 18. And I'm sure it's higher today. And a lot of that reflects the growth of mobile, right? And, and mobile, yes. mobile applications. And there's, you know, I'm sure you guys have, um, you know, vendors and do interviews around, you know, MAST and, and mobile application security testing. You know, that's not something that we do, but every one of those APIs is a, uh, you know, every one of those APIs that your mobile apps are connecting to, you know, those are web applications that, that we do scan and secure as, as part of our portfolio. And so, um, and so, yeah, you've got this huge shift of APIs. You also, you know, starting kind of in the in the mid-teens, you also get microservices. Yep. You know, so no one really used to talk about, you know, developing with microservices. And then all of a sudden it, it hits the scene, you know, becomes all the rage. And when you're talking about an agile, you know, development model, you're talking about CICD, um, you know, daily builds, you can't operate successfully in that framework if you if you have a monolithic arch architecture you have to mm -hmm. go to microservices right that's, there's just there's no other way to to be productive right now but we have so what many that options means is that <laughs> so many options yeah exactly too. yeah exactly for sure so what that means though is that you've got you know again in the old world you have this kind of single monolithic application now you've got this application that um is built with microservices, which means basically it has a bunch of internal APIs, for lack of a better term. And you know, you probably have a mobile version as well. 
and you're integrating with other applications. So you have all these APIs. And so you're not going one-to-one, you're going one-to-many. And, well, and in well, fact, yeah, it's And then compound that again, Mark, what I was thinking about the other day is I'm like, you know, a lot of these orchestrators are web applications that you're implementing to help you build a CI/CD pipeline to publish your own application. Right. So it's everything you just talked about. Plus, you're going to have some other applications that are probably open source, maybe some commercial, but there are more right. applications that you have to secure and scan. That's right. Jenkins, that's right. I was looking at Jenkins it, today. I'm like, we should probably pay more attention to that. And that's like that's an right. application that supports the production of our application. And we, you that's have right. more, more and more of those every day. Well, Paul, it is turtles all the way down. Mm-hmm. Yes. I have to say. No, but I think, um, I think it's, you know, it's interesting. We had a customer reach out um, today that I was, that I was speaking with and they said, you know, they're, they're kind of going through the evaluation process and they're saying, well, we have 30 applications. And I said, okay, well, let, you know, we need to kind of get under the, under the hood on that. Like, yep. I know you think of that as 30 applications, but what is that really? And they said, okay, well, it's, you know, they, they talk, the developers came on, they said, no, it's actually 300. And, and so yep. like, wow. And why is it 300? Well, it's, it's APIs and microservices. And then, you know, the developer adds on and he says, okay, well, in a few months after this next release, it'll be 3000. Mm. And, and, you know, the, the, the management team was like, wait a minute, are we going from 30 to 3000? And, and the answer was, was yes. Well, no, it's still the same 30, but it's actually 3000, you know, web applications. And that's, yep. that's just a really, it's funny that it came up this morning because I knew I was coming on today to talk about this very topic, but that's what enterprises around, you know, every enterprise in the world is facing that challenge, right? Mm-hmm. That your old, mm-hmm. what used to be 30 applications is now 3000. And if you're the CISO, and you're responsible for, you know, information security. You're responsible to tell your CEO, to tell your board, to tell your investors, we are secure. Well, how do you how do you do that yeah. when now you need to mm-hmm. you know, scan these thirty thousand applications? And you probably have the same, you know, one or two or three security guys you always did, or maybe, you know, maybe you're lucky if you even have a full time, you know, resource just around web application security, maybe mm-hmm. it's just a fraction. Like how do you even, how do you even secure that? Yeah. Matt. Yeah. Well, I mean, to your point, Mark, I mean, an application used to be a single URL running right. basically a monolithic piece of code on a single server, mm-hmm. usually in your data center in, right. in microservices and containerization and all the things we've seen, right. it's, it's still that single URL, but the subcomponents under it are just massive. And you mm-hmm. think about right. the, proliferation of all the underlying components in these endpoints and then all the API communication in between them. We, we forget about what the application really looks like today. Absolutely. And, and then you compound that, you know, we brought up single page applications earlier. You compound that with, this isn't like, this isn't just marketing microsites, right? You're not just worried about, you know, some guy in marketing like myself who, who spins up some, some microsite without asking permission or without going through IT and it's not properly secured. You know, maybe it has, you know, form submissions are going into your central contact database. So you actually do have, you know, risk and exposure there, GDPR or whatever else. Okay. That's, that's one thing, right? And that's a microsite. And, but that's, it, it's kind of secondary to your core business. But then because of the, the rise in single page applications, because of the, the, the changeover from, you know, the, OS, the, the browser as being this kind of dumb window into, you know, a static web page. Now the browser is almost an OS in itself. Your crown jewels, you know, companies kind of crown jewels applications, customer facing, high value, 
you know, those are also moving, you know, are, are becoming web applications. And so, again, your it's you know your attack surface has multiplied ten to hundred x, and it's also your chances are your most sensitive, you know, meaningful, relevant assets, you know, where you have the highest reputation risk. That's moving too. And it, DAST is really, as we've kind of established, um, I, I think uh, the perception is that it's not effective, right? But when we tell the story in the context that we just told this story, like, right. you, what would you do without it? <laughs> Basically, right. Right? Yeah, you would exactly. have no idea what your attack service even looked like, let alone putting things in place to help secure your applications at that point in time and then also moving forward. Absolutely. And I think that's that's a, a really interesting story. And this is where, you know, I think you guys can tell it you know, better than I can, which is, you know, the perception of, of DAS tools historically, where they started, what they did at first. Again, at first it was cross-site scripting, it was SQL injection, not a whole lot else. Um, you know, a lot of DAS uh, tools were slow to, you know, adopt, you know, um, you know, have the ability to do, you know, complex authentication, Selenium scripts, you know, um, to be able to scan, you know, React or Angular, you know, modern frameworks, you know, DAS tools, you know, didn't always kind of keep up with with where they should be. And, and I'm you know, very proud as, as Acunetics, we've consistently been on, you know, the cutting edge, you know, we just, I'll just, uh, you know, I enjoy kind of having the high level conversation. We did just just re do a release with a business logic recorder, which again allows you to just test your applications in a more robust way. But that's, you know, those are things that most DAS tools for most of DAS history wasn't able, you know, mm. wasn't able to do. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and so you kind of looked at it and said, okay, that's kind of a useful tool, you know, for my pen testers or for my red team. But it's not that isn't like a critical component of my security. And you know what? If I, you know, maybe I'll use this DAS tool this year, and next year I'll use that other one because now I'm I'm getting a different you know, different views and different kind of using different engines to look at my look at my stack. Um, but where we're transitioning is where, again, you've got this 100x increase. It's your most important websites. And as a CISO, if your responsibility is to be able to say, I understand, you know, our attack surface, I understand our perimeter, and I know I have a prioritized set of things that I am securing, you can't, you can't do that without DAST, mm. right? You can't, you can't run SAST on an application that you don't know you own, or you don't know where the repo is, or you don't know who the developer is. Like, right. SAST is new. Like, I mean, SAST is a wonderful, wonderful technology mm -hmm. if you know those things. But that's not the world. Increasingly, that, that's not the world that a, that a CISO is living in. Mm. Matt. Yeah, I think I think the challenge is most people don't know how many applications they have. I mean, this was a problem right. when Paul and I were doing our research on the whole application security side when mm -hmm. we were at Tenable. I mean, we knew that, look, we could, we could build a DAS, we could buy a DAS, but you still had to figure out what you were scanning. And, and so that whole asset, that whole application discovery component and understanding which, how many applications you have, where are they, and then be able to classify and scan them is still a big challenge. We were talking on Application Security Weekly earlier in the week. You know, look, we've seen a lot of focus on the static side of the house, SaaS, SCA, and, and, and really understanding security from that perspective. But that's great if the applications went through that process. Some of these applications are, are legacy. They've been around for a long time. And there's a whole new set of concerns when those applications are running in production. So the 
the runtime side and DAST and, and those types of tools still have a very important place as part of what I think is a very complex application security ecosystem now. And more and more of those applications you want to be public facing now with everyone working from home is the feedback that I'm hearing as well. That in the past few months, it's been a lot of people moving apps up into the cloud. And as we all know, you're not taking a legacy application in a short period of time and making it cloud native like overnight. You're, you're basically taking that and plopping it in EC2 and opening up some ports in your VPC so people can access right. it, right? And if it That's right. hasn't been scanned by a DAST or the last time it was scanned was a year ago, that you you definitely want that in the mix. Oh, for sure. For sure. No, and, and I mean, if you think about, you know, the CFOs that I grew up, you know, trying to get approval from to put something in the cloud who who intrinsically said, why do we, why would we possibly want our data or customer data to be on a, on a public cloud environment? Like they're, you know, everything that, that their instincts told them was we are, we are safer and it is less risky if it's in our network and that in our network, our network security is, is protecting us. Well, now you're going to have a whole generation of people who grow up thinking, what do I do if no one can get in the building? Right, which right. is which is a crazy thing to think about, mm -hmm. but that's that's the world we live in. Which is, if if someone can't go in the building, are we still going to be able to to maintain our applications? Which means, you know, we should see an a, you know an acceleration of movement to, to the cloud, um, even beyond you know the wholesale shift that's already happened, and all of that is beyond is outside and is unprotected by all the network security investments that companies have made, um, you know, largely speaking. And so, so again, you know, how how do you in this in this world, um, which I, I keep calling it a new world, it's not. For many companies, mm. you know, I'm, I'm telling them something that that they knew was happening five years ago. Um, but it's it's amazing how much this is really starting to hit home. That the way we viewed security for the last 15 years, or heck, the last 30 years, um, we we have to completely reevaluate it. And again, that's where I, I feel like DAS tools are are getting you know their time in the in the in the spotlight and really starting to show their value. And that's one thing. Again, just to plug Acunetics a little bit, our 360 product um, has a very, you know, sophisticated discovery, um, you know, uh, functionality discovery module in order to identify, you know, every, all of your web assets, everything you should be securing. You know, you give it a domain, you give it an IP address, you know, and it's going to run all that discovery, you know, assemble that laundry list of here's things that could exist. And you know, I was talking to a uh, a customer a few months ago. Um, who became a, a customer in part, they were actually part of a, a complicated carve out of multiple companies, you know, investment banks were involved, you know, Goldman Sachs, big consultancies, tech consultancies. And about three months after the new company was all put together, they realized they had like 45 web applications that nobody had realized are part of the new company as part of this carve out. And that, you know, was this kind of, you know, oh, you know, uh, OS moment where they said, well, what else is out there? conference call, someone forgot to mute. <laughs> well, yeah. And, that, and, that, and so they run the first security scan. Yeah, that's that's, that's the same company. They run the first security scan of all of their web applications. They do a big conference call with the global development team. Someone doesn't, someone doesn't mute. And, and yes, you know, it's kind of O expletive. Mm -hmm. You know, we have that level of vulnerability out there in our web apps, but they would have no way of knowing without, right. you know, 
Acunetics or a similar DAS tool. Well, and I think also your other story was around the developer's perception of the DAS tool and in, in being in the process, which I think has greatly changed as well. I mean, as a developer and security person, I see that change firsthand. The tools aren't now telling me about stuff that completely doesn't matter uh, and is riddled with false positives, as was largely the case, you know, 20 years ago with several uh, other tools, right? That's right. No, that's that's exactly right. And that's false positives have always been, you know, kind of the plague on the effectiveness of a of a real web app security program and a real DAS effective DAS tool. And that's something again that we've made just massive investments in, um, you know, both in your Akinetic standard and premium products, also in our 360 product. You know, all of them feature, you know, the ability to ve- uh, to, to verify vulnerabilities, and so that you know when you're handing that vulnerability to a developer, it is truly a problem. So no um, one's slashing yes, your tires, right? Right, exactly, and that was yeah. That's it. yeah. So, so you like the story? I couldn't, as believe, I do. I couldn't this. believe this. I was like, oh my god, I can't believe yeah. this. So we talked. We talked to this uh, this one customer. Um, this woman had come in first on a contract basis to stand up their web app security program, and when someone in the senior in the dev org found out why who she was and what she was doing and why she was there, his comment was, "I hope you didn't drive because I would worry about your tires." Like, I hope your car isn't in the parking lot. I would worry about your tires. That someone's gonna you know slash your tires, and then you. Fast forward, and and you know she became a full time employee, and and drove this phenomenal kind of change in culture to where now you know people aren't getting ang- you know people get angry if they don't get their reports on time to know yeah totally you know, they almost it it's their badge yeah. of pride like we got right. you know we scan clear yeah exactly yeah, yeah. now and you also mentioned yeah. Mark that you're using um, kind of a business flow tool I think one of the big challenges with DAS was the concept of black box testing right. That's but right. when you start to understand the flow of the application and, and you can start testing certain business processes within the app, you can also, I think, get much finer tuned results and more valid results of, of what is potentially risky. Uh, does that move you more from a traditional DAS more into kind of an IaaS type of solution now because you, you have some of that understanding it, of the actual application? It does. Yeah, it does. And that's that's something that we are we're constantly working on, even even just in a pure DAS contest uh, context, providing you know the developer with much greater detail and understanding of, of this is what the you know, this is what the scan found and this is what you should be looking for and going after and seeking to remediate. But then when you layer on top of that um, AccuSensor, which is our IAST, that's our, our you know, fancy name for our IAST tool, you know, you layer on AccuSensor and now you are really getting precise and pinpointing and, and really, you know, in many ways narrowing the gap with a, with a SAST tool to be able to say, um, you know, to the developer, this is exactly where you should go. But the other thing that we've invested very, very heavily in, and I think our, our 360 product, you know, our enterprise focused product is, does this better than, I, you know, in our opinion, anyone on the market, which is with our, you know, two-way CICD integrations, you know, when a, when a developer, you know, you know, completes their commit for the nightly build, we run a scan overnight based on, you know, the fact that, you know, that scan's automatically triggered no one needs to do you know anything special you know we've seen the code commit we're going to scan it and then you know if that if that commit generated some sort of issue you know the ability to to create a ticket for that for that exact developer who who did that commit the day before so you're not finding out you know as we like to joke this isn't you know your SAT score you get in 3 months and you find out how you did this is you know as close to real time feedback as we can get um, to say you did something yesterday, it introduced, you know, 
SQL injection and introduce cross-site scripting, you know, pick your pick your favorite OAuth.10. Um, you know, you need to go back and take a look at this. And so, you know, with AccuSensor, it's even down to here's the line of code. If you don't, you know, even if this isn't somewhere you have AccuSensor deployed, knowing the commit you did yesterday created that. You know, what we find from developers is um, you know a really high level of engagement and, and really pull to say, you know, I want that because I want, you know, I want to write secure code. I mean. You know, developers want to write the best code they can. When you give them that that near real time continuous feedback, you see great adoption. Outstanding. Uh, anything great. else you want to tell our audience, Mark? No, I think. Uh, I mean, I think the big. You know, again, just to go, just to go. Um, from an Acunetics point of view, I mean, we are more than happy to, uh, you know, to provide, you know, demos, um, you know, and to get into a, a pretty complex demo environment to be able to show, you know, customers, this is this is what it would look like. This is the benefits that you would see, um, you know, whether that's in our premium product, whether that's in our 360 or enterprise focused product, um, you know, but the idea for us is really, um, you know, working with, um, you know, our customers to really help them secure their entire process. And that's more than just, giving them a piece of software. It's also making sure it's adopted and, and creates value within their organization. You know, we do extended, you know, proof of concept trials, you know, through the sales process so that you're really seeing what you're going to get. And, and in fact, those those POCs just convert straight to your production instance. You know, if, if you do end up, you know, choosing to buy, which, you know, fortunately many people do, um, and that it's a really just kind of low friction way. If you're thinking to yourself, um, you know, or if you're up at night going, I don't know, I don't even know where I'm vulnerable. I don't know how many web apps I have or which one of those could be, um, which one of my legacy apps have an unpatched WordPress plugin that's creating a huge vulnerability, much less, hey, we've just moved our Crown Jewel app into a new framework our team isn't familiar with. Have we introduced a security vulnerability? You know, that's, we, we can help with both, right? We can help, you know, really kind of give you that uh, that comfort level to be able to sleep at night. Um, and that's what that's what we're passionate about. That's what we spend all day, every day, you know, um, eating, breathing, sleeping, dreaming about um, is, is just how to, you know, how to drive web security. Thanks so much, Mark. And for those that Thank want to learn more, you can go to securityweekly.com forward slash Acunetics. That will conclude this segment. Stay tuned. Another interview coming up next.